0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers got rocked on Thursday Night Football. Who is to blame? What's to blame? Is this just something we're going to have to get used to as the Packers feel their way through the 2023 season? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. It still is kind of fun to watch the Packers in primetime, Right? Right? Who am I trying to convince? You or me? Not really sure. In any case, not such a fun game. In every conceivable way, in most of the time of the game that actually mattered, the Packers got hammered. It's harder to find an area in which they didn't get hammered, let's just say in the first half, physically, schematically, emotionally, penalty-wise. You name it, the Lions dominated the Packers. They shut down the Packers' run game, such as it was. Not that they were really trying to do that all that much. They shut down Jordan Love. They ran all over the defense. They passed all over the defense. They did whatever they needed to do, built up a big re- lead, and the rest is history. True, the Packers did at least push back a little bit in the second half. They showed some life, which is about all you can ask for once you're down big. But. That doesn't count for anything either. Trying hard doesn't ultimately matter unless you can turn it into results, and the Packers ultimately couldn't. It looked like they might tip it that way for a little while, but the Lions ultimately cruised to a 17-point win here. The Packers have now lost four straight to the Lions and eight of their last 13 to the Detroit Lions, which is understandable in some ways at least as far as this game goes, because they were behind the eight ball for a bunch of different reasons. Injuries, short rest, all of those factors, other than how you actually play during the game, were going against the Packers. They were going against the Lions too, but they were—they hit the Packers especially hard, and the Lions were favored to win this game. Let's not forget that. There's also the aspect that the Lions probably should be beating the Packers at the stage in which both teams are. Had a little bit of fun at the Lions' expense in the preview episode. We we did the Planet of the Apes comparison. You don't really know what you're going to get from the Lions. And I think that is still true. But the Lions, it, it should be said, have built something. I'd go back and forth on the idea of whether or not they're like an actually good team. But at a certain point, when you play the way the Lions do, it stops mattering. Almost. Because if you play hard and execute the things that you know you're good at the to the extent that you are good at anything don't make mistakes force turnovers rush the opposing passer does it matter how like talented your team is how trendy your schemes on offense and defense are even if you're giving up like historic numbers in some areas of your defense like like the lions did last year they kept winning games down the stretch and they've carried that over into 2023 so you can do the, are they weird and wild and all sorts of stuff like that sort of talk. And all of that can be true. But when they also beat you up, if they're the chimp with the machine gun that can either bludgeon you with the machine gun or just shoot you or just go crazy and tear off your face. Does it matter if you're an actually good team or not? Kind of doesn't seem like it does. Because the Lions are seemingly lurching from one identity to another on a drive-by-drive basis. Their defense is up and down. They have some really strong areas and some really weak areas. And yet, here they are, bludgeoning the Packers. The Lions, again, then probably should win this game. On the other hand, it, shouldn't, it should probably be better than this for the Packers. Matt LaFleur is pretty steamy after the game talking about how it's insane that we keep having those things blah 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 we can't we can't keep you know giving up the run giving up yards in the run game like this can't keep getting gouged on the on the ground true but it should be better than this regardless of what you should be doing you shouldn't just be getting hammered by David Montgomery I don't know what his final numbers ended up with, but about the time he hit 30 carries, he was averaging only 3.8 yards per carry on the ground. And it seemed like it might as well have been eight the way that the Packers were stopping the run. It just was an embarrassing effort by the Packers. Like, you could talk about getting frisky in the last, you know, the quarter and a half after halftime. Once we got to Coy Walker's penalty down the stretch. Then the game is really over. Once you get to 34-17, to 17, even if the Packers cut it to 34-20, to 20, it, it wasn't a 17-point win, it's just a 14-point win. Uh, or whatever it ended up being, it doesn't really matter. Um, once you get to Quay Walker's penalty, though, then the game is, is really functionally over. But it just feels like it should be better than this. It feels like the Packers shouldn't be coming apart at the seams in the ways that they do. And if you want to back out and do the narrative type stuff again, if we're going to go week by week on the Jordan Love is great type takes that you see around the internet versus the Jordan Love is a bum a lot of the time over the last two weeks, but just restricting it to that. We can talk about the fourth quarter in Atlanta. Put that in the bin if you want. The Packers and Love were bad for the first essentially three quarters against the Saints and the first half of this game. That's five of eight quarters, at least. Well, if that's the case, if we want to do the narrative stuff, what is he this week? I'm not going to put anything on that. We'll talk a little bit more in depth about his performance here in a second. But I will just remind you that Aaron Rodgers got a lot of blame for similar performances for the Packers last year. Aaron Jones not getting enough touches. Fell on Aaron Rodgers for a lot of the time, for some reason. Stuff looking out of sync on offense. Aaron Rodgers gets blamed for that the quarterback not being on the same page as the young receivers, and things like that, and so on, and so on, and so on. I mean, I thought all this was supposed to be fixed, you know. Jordan Love hangs out with the guys in the offseason. He's at OTAs. All those extra reps, right, makes a big difference, unless the Lions say no. It doesn't. And then you get to the end of September anyway, and it doesn't really matter. And you start to say, well, you know, Christian Watson missed a bunch of time. And, well, I think feel like some people were saying that last year, that OTAs and stuff like that maybe it doesn't make that big of a difference in any case here we are with the Packers two and two an embarrassing loss on Thursday night football primetime audience got to see the Packers not play very well again a lot of reasons for it injuries rest having just played an emotional game this past Sunday all fair doesn't change the fact that the Packers got worked pretty bad in this one let's talk about some good things There are some good things from this game. You can't get around the second-half effort, both offense and defense, really. Offense came out swinging after halftime. Defense at least came ready to take advantage of Detroit's willingness to play, kind of not to lose for a while. And you can always tell when teams kind of go into their, well, we're going to try to just avoid making mistakes mode on offense, and that seems like when you start to make mistakes most of the time. The defense was there to take advantage. They did. They put the offense in position to at least try in a meaningful way in the second half, and for a while it looked like the Packers were gaining a little bit of momentum. also want to talk about good Jordan Love because I think we're to the point in the season where we can say that there's there are good versions of Jordan Love and bad versions of Jordan Love. It doesn't even seem like it's a play-by-play thing. It's like quarter-by-quarter or drive-by-drive. Sometimes you get good Jordan Love. Sometimes you get bad Jordan Love. I think good Jordan Love is an off Script sort of player, a guy who kind of has to play a little bit fast and loose. That's the guy that I think we saw in the second half, for the most part. Maybe it's the post-script lull where he gets caught up a little bit, or maybe Matt Lafleur has trouble transitioning from you know the, your scripted plays to the next part of your offense. The Packers just have to get behind so Love can start swinging. I don't know, but it seems like the less structured the Packers' offense gets, the better Jordan Love tends to play. Maybe, kind of like Aaron Rodgers, he's a little bit of a jazz musician. You just got to let him play off beat sometimes and let him find his own way to the things that he wants to play. There has to be a way where you can build around that kind of player in a way that helps him be the best version of himself. I don't think... Looking long-term at what Jordan Love is going to become for the Packers, I don't think they want him to be just kind of a robo-quarterback. You see that a lot with, I think, Shanahan tree offenses. You get a really specific skill set where a guy can just— you can make an efficient enough offense uh, out of just doing the right thing, the right efficient kind of check-down hit the guy in stride and let him run after the catch sort of thing. You can build a fairly efficient offense out of that. But I don't think that's what the Packers want Jordan Love to be. And I don't think that's the best version of Jordan Love either. You kind of just got to let him go a little bit. So let's find some ways where he can let go a little bit. And in the second half, I think we saw that. That's kind of been a long-term thing with Love too. Dating back to his first start against the Kansas City Chiefs in 2021, the early portions of that game were rough for love but things started to come together a little bit for him when he got turned loose a little bit when the packers had to play fast and it was just jordan love getting to the line all right we got to have a play we got to have a play we got to have a play we got to go 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 do what you can jordan love can do quite a bit we did see some of the tools today that was something i actually meant to m- mention uh in our midweek pod and we kind of lost—I mean, you you lose a little bit uh, just in your ability to talk about stuff with the the week structure the way it is on Thursday Night Football Weeks. But I wanted to mention—I uh, think it was after Week 1, maybe after Week 2—I wanting. I mentioned wanting to see a little bit of the, the supposed immense arm talent that Jordan Love had coming out in the 2020 draft. That was something that just about everybody who talked about Love mentioned, the Patrick Mahomes-esque arm talent— uh Dane Brugler used words like immense uh in in reference to his arm talent. We've seen I think a little bit of that now. Um his throw to to Jaden Reed, the big explosive play at the end of the third quarter, I think was a, a good example of that. There's been some some more um just I think precise plays I would like to see the Packers put love in a position where he can do more of those things. Just let him cut loose a little bit more. We're we're gonna have kind of a a latter day gunslinger quarterback here, a 2023 version of whatever a gunslinger quarterback is. Let him be that. And I think that there are some interesting things he can do. Final good thing Christian Watson is back. I don't know how much he actually played in this game. It was hard to to keep track, like on a on a down in, down out basis of how much he was playing. Interested to see the snap counts, uh, but you can see what he brings to the offense. Even in his limited snaps, um, he did have the 24-yard catch, and on that play, kind of still just sitting down in the zone, uh, he looked like the fastest guy out there on the field, which is something the Packers offense desperately needs, even with Jaden Reed getting another explosive play today. The bad stuff, we could spend a lot of time talking about the bad stuff from this game. This, These aren't necessarily the biggest things. They're not necessarily the most important things. They're things that stuck out to me during this game. Kind of have to talk about bad Jordan Love. Because as good as the good stuff is, the bad stuff with Love has been pretty bad through a few weeks here too. You get robotic kind of play. You get some overthinking. And I think the worst of all is you just get kind of imprecise stuff from Love. Throwing behind guys seems to be a real problem, especially on plays where guys are crossing across the field from right to left as Love is looking at the field. It seems like he almost always ends up throwing behind in those situations. He had a near pick in this one because he threw behind Romeo Dobbs on a slant play. You kind of get the sense that he's always going to be a little bit of an imprecise player, but the imprecision in this one was costly and I think it does lower the floor for your offense just as much as his freelancing and high ceiling moments can make you better got to take the the bad with the good and that there was a a fair amount of bad in this game not that it was all his fault Matt LaFleur said postgame's hard to throw off your back really is and uh, Jordan Love was in a position to throw from his back or backside or just falling backwards or falling down or falling to the left or the right or just running for his life in this game. Not all his fault, but there were some throws left out there in this game. I want to mention the Packers 2022 first round because you've got Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt out there. I don't think it's great here through the first four weeks of year two for these guys. Quay Walker ends up with 19 tackles in this game. Just a feel thing for you. Any of those 19 tackles feel like they mattered? Or is it just somebody getting tackles because somebody's got to get the tackles? Then you've got his penalty late in the game. And Walker seems to be making the Packers actively worse. Then you've got Devontae Wyatt, whose stat line ends up looking pretty good. A sack, two tackles for loss, at least one quarterback hit. But it's too little too late. He was not consistently pressuring the quarterback. The only time he's consistently gotten pressure this year is in week one against Justin Fields, and everybody gets pressure against Justin Fields. It just is not looking great for these two here in their second year. They make the defense worse, I think, as often as they make it better. Walker is a liability whenever anybody lays a hand on him. He just cannot shed a block. Devontae Wyatt is a liability in the run game. He can rush the passer, sure, but he's got to be able to be at least semi-two-dimensional here. It's just kind of a tough look for these two guys in year two. That's year two. What about year three? Year three of the Joe Berry era it's bad. The run defense specifically is bad. Andy Herman of a whole bunch of different places, I guess. Um, I don't even know the correct way to refer to Andy, uh, quite honestly. Let's just say the Pack-A-Day podcast, which I think is, is accurate. He tweets after the game, no team can survive this, but the Packers especially can't. The Lions, 43 carries, 211 yards. Packers, 12 carries, 27 yards. Packers running backs have 217 yards on the season through four games. Great observation by Andy. I will add that this is the second time, at least this year, the Packers have given up more than 200 yards on the ground. They did it to the Atlanta Falcons in week two. It's bad. And it's not all Joe Barry's fault. But Joe Barry keeps doing a lot of the same things. He's putting guys in a lot of the same positions. He's putting Colby Wooden out there on third and short situations. Justin Hollins out there as well in those kind of situations. That, at the very least, is not maximizing your potential as far as personnel. And it puts the Packers' defense in a really deep hole in terms of just strength and body weight. It's a really easy, fundamental error to fix, and Barry does not seem interested in fixing it. And it just continues to be a problem week in and week out. And even if it's not Joe Barry's fault, some of it isn't, but even if it's not, you're the guy steering the ship here. You're the guy who's first in line. Being a coordinator is a get hired to get fired sort of proposition. And Joe Barry is heading for the second part of that equation. I would have to think very quickly, what is going on? Why can't it be better? I'm not a schematic mastermind, but surely you should be able to do better than giving up 211 yards, most of which came from David Montgomery, who is the consummate just a guy running back. What? Think of the 30-something touches that David Montgomery had tonight. Did any of them in a meaningful way ever involve him doing anything other than just running straight north and south down the field? He's not Jameer Gibbs. He's not Bijan John Robinson. He's not Aaron Jones. He's not going to make you miss in the hole. He's not going to run away from you. David Montgomery is going to come downhill, go to where the hole is, and run through it. And that's pretty much how his game has always worked. And yet the Packers can't seem to even be bothered to get in his way. Here we are, another 200-yard performance for a Packers opponent on the ground. I, I feel like I should get more worked up about that. I feel like I should get angrier about how the defense played. I feel like that should be just something that sets off this podcast every week, but it's, it's like you become numb to it. How do you get disappointed if it's what you expected all along? How do you get worked up about something that you you saw coming a mile away? The Lions have a pretty good offensive line, and they were healthier than we thought they were going to be, and that is a bad combination for a Packers team that does not seem overly interested in stopping the run. So what does it mean and what happens next? Maybe this is positive spin. Maybe this is me talking myself into this a little bit. But I don't know if this game really told us anything we didn't already know. Yeah, it is embarrassing. It was a bad loss. It was a really bad loss. But this is a young rebuilding team. And sometimes young rebuilding teams look like young rebuilding teams. And you tend to not be very deep when you are a rebuilding team. Which is a reason the Packers lost some games last year. Because they were... In a soft rebuild last year, I think, and now they were in a hard rebuild, we can talk about the wisdom of what kind of season they should have been trying to have last year for a long time, and we talked about that a lot last year. What do the Packers think were going to happen? They, they sign Aaron Rodgers to this big extension and then don't really add anything to their offense, then don't really just add tons to their defense, just kind of try to bring back the same group and away you go from there. Well, we saw how that worked out. Anyway... The Packers are young and rebuilding. It cost them games last year. It'll cost them games this year. It cost them this game. And it's going to keep costing them games until they grow into whatever Brian Gutekunst is trying to get them to become. That's something we're going to just have to live with. And it's probably going to be, we're probably going to see other games like this this year. The Falcons game, while not embarrassing, was broadly similar to this. The Packers could not get out of their own way. They could not stop the run. And as a result, they ended up losing. If you want to look for something this really does mean, it means that the Packers just need a break. A big storyline coming into this game was injuries. Injuries are going to be less of a factor over the next few weeks just because they're going to have some time to get healthy. They've got an extra long break before their next game, before they play on Monday Night Football in Las Vegas for I think the first time. And then shoot, they should be healthier cuz they're going into a bye after that. Lots of rest will give us a chance to at least get to the point where the Packers are reasonably healthy, and even if they aren't any good, they're definitely going to be bad if they're hurt and they are hurt right now. I don't even know if we really know how healthy Aaron Jones and Christian Watson really were in this one? They gave it a shot. How close to 100% were they, really? Let's turn our attention to the Packers' rookies. This is the first game I feel like you could really say that this looked like a rookie class. Uh, but a lot of that, I think, is probably due to injuries. I wonder how different this this overall game and our, our takes on the rookies here look in general if we have a fully healthy rookie class, but we don't, so this is what we get. Lucas Van Ness finishes the game with one tackle. I have to wonder how much his elbow is still limiting him. Luke Musgrave has one catch for one yard in this one. Also one concussion, or one trip to the concussion protocol, we'll put it like that. Jaden Reed, another big performance. Three catches, 55 yards. Just has the 44-yard the gain. Nice, solid play in there. Makes a big play down the field. Uh, Jordan Love's probably best deep shot of the year so far. Tucker Craft gets on the board. Two catches, five yards in this one. First career catch today. Good for him. Colby Wooden, four tackles in this game. One tackle for loss. One quarterback hit. Nice bounce back for him after not playing all that much last week. I still think we're probably seeing him out there too much in short-yarded situations. Sean Clifford, DNP in this one. Good work, or good job. Keep up the good work, Sean. That's exactly what we want from you. Dontavian Wicks comes back to earth a little bit this week. One target, no catches. First week without a catch since week one. Uh, Carl Brooks back on the board with another sack and another pass defense. Second week in a row that he's gotten his hands on the ball when it's been in the air. Anders Carlson, our sweet boy, remains perfect. Great work, Anders. Um, just building equity, remaining solid, solid, solid stuff from him so far. Carrington Valentine looked like he may have gotten benched in this one, just uh, not consistently performing. Day three defensive back, probably a maybe like a defensive version of 2022. Romeo Dobbs starts out really hot, kind of the talk of training camp. And then you start learning that, wow, a lot of these other guys in the NFL are pretty good. And uh, they get paid too, and some of them are pretty experienced, and they know how to take advantage of a guy who's still in just his fourth NFL game. That is probably where we're at with Carrington Valentine. Anthony Johnson Jr. inactive in this one, as was Malik Heath, as was Bretton Cox. Finishing out the bottom of our rookie group here, Emmanuel Wilson was active for this game, but recorded no stats on offense. Usually we clear the notebook to finish out this one. But there is one big piece of news that I think we need to talk about rather than going kind of piecemeal through the, uh, you know, more small observations in this game. I think we got to talk about David David Bakhtiari because it looks like this is probably going to be it for him in Green Bay. The initial report came out from the Packers themselves that he was heading to injured reserve, which is not taken by itself, is not that big of a surprise if his knee, for whatever is going on, is not healthy, maybe you just give him time. You put him on injured reserve for a month, you bring him off, you know, middle of the season, he's healthy again, just let him rest, you know, get him back to where, where he needs to be to play. But then as the game drew closer, we learned that things are a little bit more serious than that. Had arthroscopic knee surgery either yesterday or, or at some point this week and has another procedure lined up in the very near future. That Ian Rappaport of, well, of the NFL Network says is designed to get him to a point where he can be at full strength for 2024. Read between those pretty broad lines. He's done for the season. This is going to be it for David Bakhtiari this year, which means that his week one performance, a very good one against the Chicago Bears, is probably going to be the last time we end up seeing David Bakhtiari in a Packers uniform. The salary cap situation next year just becomes untenable. And even if the Packers do move on, I think it's still going to end up costing like $19 million against the cap, which is fine. 2024 is still going to be a pretty rough year cap-wise for the Packers. They're going to have Bakhtiari's salary. In all likelihood, probably something with Aaron Jones. Decisions on guys like Preston Smith and Rasul Douglas, both of whom are going to be on the wrong side or just arriving at 30 years old there's going to be more cap issues next year. That's what happens when you've got an aging core that you kind of go all in on for a couple of years. And then, well, now you kind of have to take it apart slowly because you can't do everything at once. And that's where the Packers are. And Bakhtiari is one of the biggest parts of that. There are a lot of different moving parts to this as you try to react to it. Um, I think, for me, first and foremost, it is sad because it's the end of a, a, a long and very successful Packers career. But I kind of get where, you know, anybody's coming from on this. If you really want to get mad about it, I kind of get that. That's not where I am, but I understand. If you're just disappointed, I get that too. That's that's more where the the version of the the feeling that I'm feeling ends up with. If you just kind of get caught up in the what-if of it all, man, I'm, I'm there with you too, because if not for Bakhtiari's injury on December 31st, 2020, a day, I will remind you, where the Packers also welcomed Snacks Harrison to town for his first practice with the Green Bay Packers, if not for that injury, how many Super Bowls are the Packers in over the next two years? at least one, I think, that 2021 divisional round game against the the 49ers, I have to think goes differently too. It's a hugely consequential injury. And it's been catastrophic from a cap perspective too. Rewinding it to November 2020, when he signed the deal, I do that contract 10 times out of 10. Even with all that has gone on since then, David Bakhtare is still only 31 years old. In all likelihood, if he doesn't get injured, we're looking at a very real possibility that the Packers are probably retooling his contract this offseason because, well, just because the, the cap figure was going up, but they would want to keep him around. Clean bill of health. I mean, we've seen it this season when he does play. He's been great. Even last season, he was great when healthy. But though the spirit might be willing, the body appears to be, well, maybe not weak, but falling apart. This is now surgery, what, four and five for Bakhtiari on this knee, at least? And it's sad to see it end that way. It's a a reminder that for most of the guys that we root for, the game is taken from them more than they walk away from it. And it's some especially sad symmetry, I think, for Bakhtiari because of how he was kind of launched into the Packers starting lineup. Brian Bulaga tears up his ACL on family night back in in 2013, and in comes rookie fourth-round pick David Bakhtiari, a little bit undersized, definitely inexperienced, facing off against Alden Smith and the San Francisco 49ers in week one, and not embarrassing himself, and the rest is kind of history from there grows into one of if not the best lack, left tackles in the NFL. I think a hall of fame track career before he got injured. I think I made the case this offseason that he would end up in the hall of fame. There were a lot of assumptions baked baked into that. Going to be close. It's going to be a we are we have changed the the calculus on that a little bit the way that things have gone this season. But it's there's a lot of A lot of work for the Packers and Bakhtiari yet to do here. Ken Ingalls, Packers cap watcher, notes that an injury grievance could still put the Packers on the hook for his entire salary for 2024. There remains work to be done here. And it is just, if this is the end, and it seems for all the world that this probably is the end for Bakhtiari and the Packers, what an unfortunate, disappointing end that it had to be. And what a series of what-ifs he leaves in his wake. What-ifs, huh? It's kind of a lot of sports, isn't it? What if the Packers aren't so hurt going into Thursday Night Football? If they, all things being equal between them and the, and the Lions, how do things shake out? We don't know. That is life, though. That is sports. That is what we've got for you on this, uh, this episode of Blue 58. We'll see what the Packers can do the next time they are in primetime. It's going to be their very next game. In the meantime, I would appreciate it if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.